Well, praise the Lord. Is it good to be in God's house this morning? How many of you would rather be here than to be in Nashville in the hospital? Let's see your hands. How many of you rather be here and be in Putnam County Jail? Let's see your hands. You know, I'm always worried there's a few people who don't raise their hands when I talk about the jail. I just don't know what that is. But I know one thing, we could leave today right now and say it's been good to be in God's house. Praise the Lord. It's Easter Sunday morning. Nothing quite like it. But we're not going to leave just yet because I want to preach. I believe God gave me a message for today and I've looked forward to coming ever since I had the invitation. And I appreciate the invitation to come. I'm always honored when I have an invitation to come and preach. And I, I, I have my roots deep around this place. And born in Monterey, this, this is where my roots are at. And so I'm thrilled to be here today. If you would, turn in your, your Bibles over to the book of Mark. Gospel of Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, we'll read the first eight verses. And then we'll get into the message this morning. I know you've been standing a little bit, but why don't we stand and we'll honor the reading of God's Word together. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. Let me stop right there and say the reason for this was that the Jewish Sabbath always was from morning to evening. And so Jesus was, was killed on Friday before the sun went down. So if you look at the Sabbath, that began on Friday evening, and it would have gone till Saturday evening. That's why they could not complete uh, what was uh, being done as far as preparing uh, the anointing. We heard that also in our Sunday school class this morning. So the earliest time they could do it was early Sunday morning. That's why they were there at the crack of dawn. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted, or they were afraid. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted or afraid, ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here, behold the place where they laid him. But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee, there shall you see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ, who was willing to lay aside the splendor of heaven to become one of us. He did what we could not do for ourselves. He came to die in our places. And he took upon him the sins of the whole world, all the past, present, and future sins that were and, and will ever be committed. He took upon his body and he died in our place so that we might have life. When he arose, he not only arose for himself, but the resurrection is symbolic of the resurrection of all of our lives. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but because of your love for us and his willingness to die for us, we now have life. And we have it abundantly. 
And now I pray that you would use me today, Father, to speak. Help folks to see Jesus today and not me. Help them to hear your word and not my words. And I pray the Holy Spirit of God would visit us today. That he would walk up and down these aisles and move between these pews. And that he would touch hearts and lives. And all of us would be changed and be different than the way we came in today. Help the Lord Jesus to be honored and glorified in all that we do and all that we say. Help us to uplift him that he might be seen. Move in a mighty way this hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Some years ago, there was a man. He was a preacher and he was invited to speak at a statewide men's retreat in the state of Michigan. The young man preached seven times in four days, had a tremendous time. The retreat went well, he spoke in three churches, and God moved in all of the services. The young man boarded a plane on Thursday morning to head home. He just happened to live in Nashville, Tennessee. As he boarded that plane, it was in January, and it was snowing in Michigan. By the way, I think it snows all the time in Michigan, even in the summer. But it snows a lot in Michigan. So the young man boarded a plane, and he found out they had to de-ice the plane, and he was going to be late, and he had a connection in Chicago. He got to Chicago, got off the plane, recognized that uh, the connecting flight was on the other end of the airport. He was running late, but it was still there. So he hurried to the other side of the airport. When he got to the gate, the plane was still there. The young man sat down in his seat. He reached for his cell phone, and he had a massive heart attack and died in the gate. You'll never guess what happened as a result of that day in that gate. You'll never imagine what God did through all of that situation. And I'll tell you, but you must listen to the end of the message to hear the rest of the story. So now you have to stay with me. Nobody can go to sleep. You must hear the end of the story. So you have to stay with me to the end of the message. You know, throughout the Bible, God used angels to make special announcements. If you look throughout the Bible, he sends a message of destruction to Lot in Genesis chapter 19 when Lot was in Sodom. He also announced the birth of Samson in Judges chapter 13. He announced the birth of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 1. Angels announced the birth of Christ in Luke chapter 2. It seems like that when God has an announcement of extreme importance, he will send an angel to deliver the message. We're presented in our text today, and we look at the context of the passage of Scripture. We're presented with an angel making an example that has echoed through generations and through decades for 2,000 years, and that message is echoing even in this building today. And that is the message of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a special message from an Easter angel. And I want us to look at that and consider that message during uh, the message, my message this morning. You know, dawn was breaking on that first Easter morning. And the world had changed forever. A special angel delivered a special message to some special ladies. By the way, that message is still important today. So I want to take a few moments, and I want us to look at the message from the Easter angel. Now again, notice the context of the passage. 
Dread and fear had filled the hearts of this little band of women as they made their way through the dark streets of Jerusalem early that Sunday morning. They were going to the tomb of the man they had believed to be the Messiah. The man for whom they had left all other things behind. They were going to the tomb of a man who had promised life to all who would come to him. But who was now himself dead. They were confused. All that they'd heard, they thought he was a Messiah, but now he is dead. But yet they went to do what they were supposed to do and what they wanted to do. They were concerned about that huge stone, by the way. They were talking among themselves as they made their way to the sepulcher or to the tomb because that, that stone had been rolled over the mouth and also the Roman seal had been put up on it. They wondered how they could get into the tomb. How would they ever gain access to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ? How could these three women ever hope to move a stone that weighed several hundred pounds? Yet they continued on with their tender mission. They wanted to finish preparing the Lord Jesus Christ for his burial. Can you imagine as they came into the side of the tomb? They're walking together. The sun is just beginning to rise. As they work their way, they begin to look off into the distance. And there's the tomb, but something is wrong. They begin to stop and look closer, and they notice that the stone is rolled away. They look at each other, they look at the stone, they look in front of the tomb, and all the Roman soldiers are lying there as though they are dead. They know something is up. By the way, that's the first indication. But what did they do? As soon as they saw that, they ran to the tomb. They ran and they looked in, only to find that the body of the Lord Jesus Christ was gone. Now, can you imagine what they might have thought? I think fear probably gripped their hearts because they may have feared that somehow the Jewish uh, uh, rulers had come and stolen the body or the Roman soldiers had stolen the body to prevent the disciples from taking the body because Jesus claimed he was going to rise from the dead after three days. They were going to stop that rumor from getting started in their minds they thought maybe this is what happened maybe they thought grave robbers had somehow gotten in and stolen the body and was somehow going to uh, hold it for ex uh, extortion and somehow to gain money as a result of it in their minds no telling what was going on but one thing was for sure they knew he was gone but you know uh, those doubts were short-lived Suddenly, the women noticed on the right-hand side of the tomb, there was a young man sitting there in white raiment. By the way, I don't know how long he'd been sitting there, but I know why he was sitting there. He was waiting on the women to get there because he had a message. The angel saw their fear, and he began to speak to them. He delivered a message of hope. And that message of hope is still has the power of change, changing lives even here in this building this morning. The hope of the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that he offers. So let's look at the message that the angel delivered. First of all, in verse 6, it's a message of peace. He says, be not afraid or don't be afraid. 
you know, the fear these ladies must have felt when they saw this angel had to be great. But the first words from the lips of the angel were words of peace. Yet, isn't that the way the Lord works? When it comes to people and it comes to his people, the first words from his lips are always words of peace to us. When you think of fear, the very first time the words fear not are mentioned in the word of God is over in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 15. When there were, God said to, to Abraham, he said, fear not. He gave him a word about his fear, a word about his faith, and a word about his future. We have all of that in the message of Easter. Fear not. I'm so glad that God told Abraham to fear not all the way back in Genesis chapter 15. That was the first time, but praise God, it was not the last time. God said, you don't have to be afraid. I didn't do it, but somebody else did. They went through and counted how many times the Bible says fear not or don't be afraid in Scripture. You know how many times it's mentioned according to what some others have counted? 365 times. You know, I kind of like that because there are 365 days a year. So every day when you get up in the morning, you just have to say, I don't have to be afraid today. Tomorrow morning when you get up, I don't have to be afraid today. Because the Bible said it 365 times. You have the assurance every single day that you do not have to be afraid if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's appropriate that his resurrection should be followed with a message of peace. Because after 2,000 years, his resurrection from the dead is still bringing that same message of peace to hearts and lives of all of those who will believe in him. Let's notice some areas, if you will, where the resurrection gives peace. First of all, it gives peace through salvation. Salvation. You know what the opposite of guilt is? Peace. You know what salvation is? It's being right with God. Salvation is that we have peace with God. We are at war with God until we find the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We feel the guilt of our sins and the weight of our sins, but when God forgives us, our sins are cleansed and forgotten. He never brings them up again. So you see, he gives peace through salvation. By the way, that's Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. He gives peace when it comes to the fear of death. You know, I got news for you. If the Lord tarries his coming, everybody here is going to die. From the moment you are born, you begin to die. You're on borrowed time. You see, when you were born, God knew when and where you were going to be born. God knows at this moment when, where, and how you're going to die. And he knows everything in between. By the way, I'm kind of glad I don't know when, where, and how. Aren't you glad you don't know the future? Man, life has enough troubles today. We don't need to know the future. But if you knew we were going to die, I wonder how it would affect our lives. I think it probably would make a difference. But when you know Christ as your Savior, you don't have to fear death. Death is just a blink of an eye into a wonderful eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. But you don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear eternity. What about the hereafter? 
When we have peace with God, the message of peace is that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll always be with Him. So there's peace and salvation. There's peace with death. When it comes to death, there's peace in eternity. But there's also peace in life itself. Aren't you glad when you get up in the morning, if you know Christ is your Savior, when you put your feet on the floor, don't, aren't you glad to know that God has a purpose for your life that day? The steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord. In other words, God has a plan for each of our lives, and when we get up in the morning, we have a purpose in living. God has already foreordained it, and it's there for us. So we, don't have, we have peace in everyday life. And that's the message that the angel sent. It's not only a message of peace, it's a message of power. That same verse says, he is risen. You know, Jesus was not the first person to rise from the dead. If you look at the New Testament, we're reminded that Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5 was raised from the dead. The widow of Nain's son in Luke chapter 7 was raised from the dead. Lazarus in John chapter 11 was raised from the dead. You know what the difference is? All of those people were raised from the dead, but they all had to die again. When Jesus came out of that grave, he will never die again. He is alive forevermore. He's alive. And by the way, when you and I die, we will rise again to die no more. All of our loved ones who have gone on, who have died, they will rise to die no more. Because Jesus rose to die no more. The resurrection. Because he conquered death, all of those who receive him as their personal Savior become partakers of that same resurrection power. And by the way, it happens immediately at the moment you are saved. His resurrection imputed to us, and because of that, we become alive in him. By the way, that's Romans chapter 6 and verse 8 and 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. All this great resurrection power will ultimately be realized when Jesus returns and raises the dead in Christ. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Their spirits have already gone to be with the Lord. But one day that's going to be rejoined with their bodies. It's going to happen right before you and I are called up together to meet him in the air. But we have hope for our loved ones who have died in Christ. We will see them again imagine all those departed saints resurrected from the dead and glorified to live forever with jesus what a day that will be that's not adequate to describe it but oh what a day that will be the resurrection power of the lord is active around us today every redeemed sinner is a testimony to the life-changing life-giving power of the risen christ You can look around and you can see people's lives before they were saved and then after they were saved and see the magnificent miracle that God did in their lives. And many of you are a testament to that today. Where would you be if it were not for the power of God that changed your life? Where would you be? Where would your family be? Where would your children be? The resurrection power of God changed lives, and it's evident all around us. 
So not only is the angel's message one of peace and one of power, it's also one of potential. Well, that part of that verse says he is not here. Well, if he's not here, he must be somewhere. The work of the risen Lord is forever finished. I'm so glad that there's not a necessity anymore for the blood of rams and goats. You see, when Jesus died on the cross and he said, It is finished into, my, into your hands, I commit my spirit, Father. The Bible says that the temple, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. I like that. Because if it was torn from the bottom to the top, we could say a man did it. But God took it and ripped it apart from the top to the bottom. Why? Because the mercy seat was inside. And the high priest had to go in once a year. They would tie a rope around his leg because if he was unclean or impure, God could strike him dead in the Holy of Holies and nobody could go in to get him. But thank the Lord, when Jesus died on the cross, God ripped open that curtain and the mercy seat was there and God said, this is the payment and he sprinkled the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ for the sins of the whole world. No other sacrifices will ever be needed again. He's alive and he's still active on our parts today. He's acting as our intercessor according to Hebrews chapter 7 and Romans chapter 8. He's watching over us every single day according to Hebrews 4.13 and Hebrews 4.15. He's more concerned about us than we are ourselves. He knows even the very number of hairs that fall from our head. He knows what we need better than we know what we need. He's acting as an advocate. 1 John chapter 2. He's preparing a place for us. John chapter 14, he's waiting for the Father to send him back to get us. Hebrews chapter 10, Jesus is active this morning on behalf of all of his people. So you see, it is a message that has potential greatness. It's a message of peace, it's a message of power, and it's a message of potential. But it also, it's a message of promise. I like verse 7. Ye shall see him. You'll see him. Oh, we'll see him. We've met him, but we haven't met him face to face. We've met him in our hearts and our spirits, but we have not seen Jesus face to face. One day we will. The angel told those ladies, you'll see him. The angel closed the message to these women by reminding them of the Lord's promise that they would see him again. That must have lifted their hearts to hear that message. They came to the tomb that morning expecting to find a dead body. They left the tomb that morning with a promise they would look upon the living face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine their excitement? They came downtrodden and confused. They left rejoicing and excited. By the way, that's what happens when we come to know Christ. We come to him confused about life and how can we settle this problem, take care of that problem and all. Listen, we come confused, but let me tell you, if you will accept the message of Easter, God will turn your life around and you'll leave different than you came. You'll leave excited. You'll leave changed. You'll leave clean. You'll leave with hope. You'll have a future because you will find what God designed you to be. We may not be able to see the risen Savior face to face here. We may not be able to see him in Galilee. 
But one thing is better even for us. We're going to see him in all of his glory one day. We'll see him in the clouds above the earth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We'll see him when he returns in glory. Revelation chapter 19. We'll see him when he's ruling on the earth as the king of kings and lord of lords. In Romans chapter 19. We'll see him uh, his face uh, forever in the glory of heaven above the earth. We will forever be reminded of the price that he paid. When we see the Lord Jesus Christ, he's still going to have the holes in his hands. You see, when he died on the cross, his body was abused and beaten. And the wounds of what he did for our transgressions, he will always carry with him. And we will see the scars. You say, how do you know that? Remember, Thomas doubted. Jesus said, here, put your finger in the hole. Put your, put your hand in my... That's the way he will be throughout eternity. As a reminder to us that he did what we could not do for ourselves. He will always be the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. He will bear the marks of his love for us through all eternity. So, when you think about it, the message is a secure one. The message is a wonderful one. The message is one of peace and one of power and one of potential and one of promise. How do we personalize that? How do we bring that to ourselves? I think it's very simple. The message is very simple and very clear. I told you about that young man. Now let's finish the story. The man died of a heart attack. I mean, he was dead. He had no pulse, no heartbeat. His eyes had rolled back in his head, and he was foaming at the mouth. There was a little Jewish maiden who was in the gate. I'm talking about a Hebrew girl. Wasn't even on duty, but she was a flight attendant on her way back home to Nashville. And somebody went to her and said, hey, there's a man over here having problems. And she went over and looked, and, and the man was there. She thought uh, that the normal thing was just to lay him out, thought maybe he was having a diabetic seizure. That's what they normally did. She went through his pockets, looked for the bracelet, trying to find something that said that. It was not that. She said it was, it was as though the voice of God spoke to her. It said, get the defibrillator. That was against policy, but she called for one. The man went without oxygen for at least 15 to 20 minutes. You know what that means. They finally found a defibrillator. They brought oxygen. It didn't work the first one. They brought some more, and it got it to working they shocked him once, nothing happened. They shocked him twice, and he got a pulse. They put him in an ambulance, took him to a hospital. Upon a series of things that took place, I don't have time to talk about now. But the man had a massive heart attack and died in the airport. He had what they called the Widowmaker. Main artery to his heart was 99% blocked. He had another 90% block. He had two 70% block and one 35. There was no way the man should have survived. But he woke up in the ER not knowing where he was or what had happened. The man had quadruple, quadruple bypass surgery, and he survived, and he went on to another day. Now, who was that young man? I am the man. I am the man. God saved me. Because he had some things for me to do. He extended my, I'm on borrowed time, I know it. That's why every day to me is important. 
That's why preaching to you is important today. God saved me partially to be here for you today, to give you this message. There may be someone here who doesn't know Christ as your Savior. Understand, you're sick. We talked about the hospital. You have a disease that you cannot heal yourself. Only God can heal it. No doctor can take care of the problem you have. Listen, you are bound by your sins. It's as though you are in jail somewhere. You cannot get out of jail apart from the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will free you from your bondage and your chains. So how are things between you and the Lord today? What if you had been in that airport? And what if you had died and they could not bring you back? Where would you be right now this second? Do you know that things are right between you and the Lord? If you died right now, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you could go to be the Lord in heaven? If you don't know that for sure, you can before you leave today. You can. It's very simple. It would be our privilege to show you how you can come to know Christ as your Savior. God wants to change your life today. He has something special for you. You'll never find true happiness and true contentment until you find the Lord. If you could only experience it for five minutes, you'd never want to go back to the old way. There's nothing like the peace of God, and it is because of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has that power. He gives you that potential. He has that peace. He's the one who can help you, and he wants to help you today. So how are things between you and the Lord? I want to ask you that question. I want you to think about it. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. Heads bowed, eyes closed as we prepare for our invitation. I never put pressure on people, but I also never let up when it comes to the matter of salvation because I've had people in, in my services and, and I've said statements like, this may be your last chance, and it was their last chance. I don't know what God has in store for you. I don't know what your future is time-wise. I do know this. I believe it was providential for you to be here today. And I believe God had this message for someone special. If you were to die right now, do you know for sure that you could go to be the Lord in heaven? Do you know that for sure? If you know that for sure, you've accepted Christ and you know that, would you just slip your hand up and say, Brother, I know that God has saved me. I know if I died right now, I could go to be with him in heaven. God bless you. God bless you. You can take them down. Many, many hands. But I noticed there were some hands that didn't go up. I didn't do that to embarrass you. But I think it, this is a sobering thing that we need to think about. I would like to pray for you this morning. I'm going to have a word of prayer in just a moment. Would you say to me, Brother Lloyd, deep down inside, I have a question. I, I don't have that peace that you're talking about. I know I need something in my life. God's spoken to my heart today. I don't know for sure if I died right now, I could go to be the Lord in heaven. I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation. But if you don't know for sure, you can settle that once and for all today. Would you let me pray for you? Would you just slip your hand up and say, Brother Ward, please pray for me when you pray. Please pray for me. Just slip it up, hold it up for just a moment. All over the building, slip it up, hold it up for just a moment. Please pray for me. Anyone at all? All right. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the truth and the message of the resurrection. We thank you that your son is alive.
all the, the religions of the world, they can point to tombs. But only Christianity and the Lord Jesus Christ can we go to his tomb and know that it is empty. He is the only one who has come back from the grave as he said he would. Because of that coming back, we all now have the opportunity to know you through him. Because he rose from the grave, he brings all of us out of spiritual death. And Father, some hands were not raised. You're speaking to hearts today. There's some folks who need to respond. Help them to have the courage when the invitation is given just to step out on the aisle and make their way down to this altar and allow some of us to pray with them and show them how they can know for sure how they can have that power in their lives, how they can have peace with you, how that they can have you in their lives every single day. Father, help them move in their hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, there may be someone here who they know you, but somehow they've strayed. They've just gotten a little bit cold and indifferent. They know how good the relationship can be, and it's just not where it needs to be. And God, you've spoken to them, and, and they're just not happy in their Christian lives at this moment. Father, help them to know that you can restore to them the joy of their salvation. You have not moved. You're where you've always been. Help them to respond, Father, and to come back and say, God, I want the joy back in my salvation and back in my life. And Father, maybe someone here who had just has a burden, a heavy burden today. Maybe nobody else knows about it, but you know about it. Maybe they need to simply come and bring it to the foot of the cross and to say, God, I need your help, and to give that burden to you. Father, the altar is open today. Help folks to respond as you call. And again, we thank you for all of this, for we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If God's spoken to your heart today, we won't tarry too long, but if God's spoken, I want you to come. There are folks who will come and pray with you, whatever your need is. I encourage you to come as we sing.